You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome back into Locked On Horn Frogs. It is uh, Monday, January 3rd. Happy New Year to you, 2022, coming your way. And I hope you had a good holiday break. Um, we're back on normal schedule. So this week I plan on doing shows Monday through Friday and through the rest of this month. We got TCU basketball on the prize, and hopefully the guys will get back on the court. Women hit the floor uh, on Sunday. Did not go well. Got blitzed by SMU. I might touch on that in segment two, but I want to start today's show by talking some TCU football. And we're going to talk about transfers because uh, the Horn Frogs have been active on the transfer market the last few days. It appears they have another commitment coming. Um, so we'll hit that in a minute. But first, let's talk about the guys that have committed. And Sonny Dykes said um, on signing day that they're going to be very active in the transfer portal. They were looking to take on um, you know, possibly 20 new uh, young men, 20 new players through the transfer portal. They got, they get, they got that kicked off, excuse me, uh, by taking linebacker Terrence Cooks from Texas a few weeks ago. Cooks, originally a Shadow Creek product in the Houston area, was a four-star linebacker coming out of high school. Uh, and then over the weekend, Ish Burdine, a safety from Mizzou, comes in the fold. Burdine is 6'1", 175, is a three-star recruit. Uh, coming out of high school, you know, obviously ends up at Mizzou, had a good offer list. Did not see a ton of playing time at Missouri. He's from Fidel, uh, Louisiana, and played his high school ball there. But I think you're taking a chance on a guy um, who had some good measurables, had some good size uh, coming out of high school and hoping that he's going to make it happen at the college level, you know, at TCU. Burdine has been banged up at times at Mizzou, uh, but when he did play, he was pretty productive. So you need people at that safety position. I'll say one player they took on last offseason, T.J. Carter, and I don't know what T.J. will end up doing uh, moving forward. That didn't really work. And the safety position was honestly a mess last year. A big part of that was injury, um, but also they just struggled – you know, covering guys, they struggled making plays on the secondary, making open field tackles. It wasn't really um, what they thought it was going to be going into the season. So Burdine, a sophomore, had six tackles last season. Again, limited playing time. Not a lot of tape on him, not a lot of film on him. You're just hoping that, hey, this guy comes in and makes, makes things happen. I'm not quite as excited about him as I was Terrence Cooks, but neither guy – played a whole lot, um, you know, at their previous school. So you're taking a chance on potential, you're taking a chance on upside. This is what they did at SMU. This is what Sunday Dyke staff did so well when they were in Dallas. Now, it's different when you're playing in, in the American Conference, when you're playing at a group of five level. Um, it makes sense to take on more power five transfers that don't necessarily see the field a whole lot uh, where they're at. It's unique in this situation because at TCU, you know, in the Big 12, you need dudes that are going to make things happen and make plays happen. But it's another player that can make an immediate impact, and we'll see what Ish ends up bringing to the table when he hits camp. It's another safety, uh, Namdi 
Abizor. He's 6'3", 205. He was at Iowa Western Community College last season and had a really good year in the JUCO ranks. Uh, wasn't really rated out of high school at all. Wasn't really on the radar a whole lot in the transfer portal, it didn't seem like. But TCU taking a chance on a young man with a good size, good measurables. And again, that safety position seems to be a priority for Joe Gillespie, uh, the new defensive coordinator and the staff. And I don't know if that's just because of the scheme they're running, because of what they saw on film last year, a mix of both. Um, but you're going to need bodies in that back end that can make plays. And that wasn't the case last season. So a couple safety prospects coming into the fold. A, a guy that I'm excited about. Now, he is not committed, but I'm just trying to connect some dots here. Um, Jackson Player entered the transfer portal earlier this week, or earlier last week, excuse me. And Player um, is originally from Midway High School in the Waco area. I, I got to cover him pretty closely when I was doing radio there. And he was on a Midway team that played in the state finals. Uh, he was teammates with Trey Tomlinson, uh, who played safety on, on that defense. And now he's obviously a corner at TCU. But Jackson was a super productive defensive tackle. Like, I think you could argue Tanner Mordecai was also on that team, um, who's now at SMU, went to Oklahoma originally. Corey Levinson, there were a lot of, there were a number of Division I players on that roster. And honestly, I don't know if there was a guy that was more productive at his position than Jackson Player was at that defensive tackle position. He got a lot of high praise. I remember John King, longtime famous coach at Longview. He said they, Midway played Longview in the state semifinals that year, and it was a great game. Midway ended up winning. And he said in a pregame interview that Player was one of the best defensive tackles he's ever seen in the state of Texas in high school football. And obviously Coach King has been around – for a long, long time, and maybe some of that was just a coach showing some respect to an opponent um, that you know he knew was really good, but he wasn't specifically asked about player. He just sort of went out of his way to single him out. Now he is undersized. I'll tell you, um, he's listed at six foot tall, two ninety. I don't think Jackson Player is six feet tall. I think he's probably five eleven, maybe five ten. Um, he's a little undersized, and that's why he ended up at Tulsa. But he was really productive there. Had 22 tackles last year, five sacks, a forced fumble. Um, you know, before that in 2020, 23 tackles, three sacks. And when you're talking about eight sacks from that interior defensive line position, uh, that's a big deal because that's not your edge rushers getting home. I mean, that's somebody in the middle that's wreaking havoc and that's making things happen. So I would say just keep an eye out on player. And I just say that because he has the connection with Coach Gillespie, who's the defensive coordinator at Tulsa. Um, he'd be a little closer to home, even though it's not like he's far from home right now where he was being at Tulsa. Got that connection with Trey Tomlinson. I just think it would make a lot of sense, and he would fit in well for a team that doesn't have a lot of guys at that defensive tackle position at the moment. So I like his attitude. I like his intensity. We'll see if he ends up in Fort Worth, but that's just a name to watch. We'll take a break when we come back. We'll talk some more TCU football and might update you a little bit on basketball as well. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, segment two of Locked On Horn Frogs. And one more thing about that commitment. One reason I mentioned player. So the coaching staff has been consistent in tweeting sort of cryptic things about a new commitment. 
they don't reveal who that commit is, but they just sort of lay the groundwork for whatever it's going to be. And I'm recording this on Sunday night. As of now, it appears they have another commit coming, uh, but I don't know if it's a high school kid. I don't know if it's a transfer kid. Um, the, the coaching staff, though, on Sunday afternoon started tweeting out that hashtag, uh, Wahoo22, saying, hey, we got a new commitment. It's ready to go. So we'll see who that ends up being. Uh, I wonder if it's Jackson player. It might end up being somebody else. But TCU super active on talent acquisition and the transfer portal. And uh, hopefully they can hit on some of those guys. Talked about a couple safeties, um, linebacker Terrence Cooks, and then we'll see who the next one is to join the fold. Um, in addition to the coaching staff that I didn't get a chance to talk about because it happened while I was sort of on holiday break, uh, Carlton Buckles joins the staff from Tulsa. He was a defensive backs coach there. He'll be focused on the corners uh, at TCU and extensive experience. He was at Tulsa for four years. He's been in collegiate coaching for 22 seasons, uh, played football at LSU, um, and then moved into the coaching ranks. He's from Louisiana originally. He's had coaching stops at Delta State, Southeastern Louisiana, New Mexico State, North Texas. Spent a lot of time at Baylor. He was there from 2011 to 2016, so he was on that Bryle staff. And unfortunately, this is another uh, coach that's being added from that Bryle staff, which obviously was you know, named and was under a lot of scrutiny because of the Pepper Hamilton report and the scandal that happened there under uh, Coach Bryles' watch. Um, after that, he moved on to uh, Tulsa eventually in 2018. He's been at Tulsa since 2018 with Coach Gillespie. So understands the scheme, understands what's going on there. Um, good recruiter, you know, has roots in Louisiana, knows what it's like to coach in Texas, knows what it's like to recruit in the state of Texas, and, again, has, as I said earlier, extensive experience as a player and an assistant coach. So he's coached secondary. He's coached the secondary, excuse me, as long as he's been around. He knows that position. He knows what is needed from guys in this scheme. So I think it makes sense. Uh, continuity should be pretty seamless. Transition should be pretty seamless there. But he gets added on. And I think that's about it as far as the coaching staff goes. You know, those big-name position groups have all been just about filled now. So looking forward to see what, they, what they're able to do, um, you know, this upcoming season. But Carlton Buckles, he gets added to the TCU coaching staff. Uh, and he's going to be focused on the corners and DBs there. He'll join the fold uh, shortly and should, I guess, already be kind of hitting the road and, and getting going in that regard. Um, okay, so a couple basketball notes before we sign off today. TCU, the women, they hit the floor after the COVID pause, and, uh, man, things did not go well. SMU came to town, and SMU coming into the game was 5-6 and six on the season. They struggled. Uh, they only had eight players available, and they just absolutely blitzed TCU. They won 79-53. Horn Frogs only scored five points in the second quarter, um, only 14 and 15 points in the third and fourth quarter, respectively, 29 points in the second half. It's a tough day all around. Now, I imagine a lot of this is uh, just a simple fact that this team is not in game shape, right? I mean, it was a, a long pause that sort of coincided with the holiday break, and I can't imagine they've been together practicing. Uh, got off to a decent start in this one, but then just sort of faded down the stretch as the game went on. So conditioning will improve, but super disappointing. Went off a, a big win against Texas A&M, a, a ranked win, and then you get three games canceled. Incarnate Word, UC Riverside, and UC Davidson 
a game postponed. Your your conference opener against Kansas was postponed, and then you go out and just get absolutely hammered by SMU. And their upcoming game will be against Baylor on Wednesday. Now, Baylor lost to Kansas State this afternoon, which was uh, fascinating. Nikki Collin, the new head coach there. So maybe there's some vulnerability there. Maybe there's an opportunity. But it doesn't look good given what we saw from the Frogs uh, over the weekend. We'll see, though. I mean, a little more time, a couple days here, maybe get into better shape, get things going, and hopefully give a better effort uh, when they play their conference opener against BU. But, yeah, just unfortunate. And it makes you wonder about the men, right? So they're also – they're currently going through a COVID pause. Games against Kansas and West Virginia both postponed. They're missing four games now. They've missed four games since they went on this pause. And their first game coming back will be this Saturday, if it happens, against Baylor, which is currently the number one team in the country. So that'll be a, a tough, tough bounce back for a team that presumably coming into that game will not have a lot of time to work together, will not have a lot of time to get into game shape. A big ass for Jamie Dixon and his squad. And it's just, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's disappointing because they are playing so well going into that COVID situation, um, had the win over Georgetown, had the win over Texas A&M, had the opportunity to close out the, the non-conference schedule, a couple games that they would be favored in against Grambling and Texas Southern, don't get to play those, and then you move into conference play, your first couple games get postponed before you hit a really tough opponent, NBU. So we'll see what the TCU men do. Hopefully they can get back on the floor. I have not heard the status of that game against Baylor, but it hasn't been postponed yet, so I'm hopeful that the guys can get back on the floor and get to work. I know they're anxious to do that in the coming days. We'll have more on TCU football uh, the rest of this week. Hopefully we'll have some more transfer news to pass along. We'll also, of course, keep you updated with TCU basketball, and uh, we'll see what else is going on in baseball coming soon-ish. I mean, we're hitting the new year, so we're getting closer to uh, late February when we start seeing the Horn Frogs hit the diamond as well. We'll do it all on Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, your team every day.